1: welcome to lighthouse Faith podcast where we are moving forward in truth and love i'm lauren green chief religion correspondent for fox news channel and author of the book lighthouse faith the term christian nationalist is being wielded a lot these days as a weapon of the left really it's a it's a negative term but where did it come from what does it mean and how is it different from christianity you know for many people who are not particularly religious even some christians uh, the term has evoked fear and probably some loathing as it is uh, associated with um, for a lot of people with the January 6th attack or insurrection or protests, whatever you want to call it, on the U.S. Capitol. An article in Christianity Today cites the Public Religion Research Institute survey that said Americans who have heard of Christian nationalism are twice as likely to hold a negative rather than positive view of the term. Um, and if there's any doubt that this is a term defined by the left, the article also brings out that the Americans United for Separation of Church and State is among the illegal nonprofits challenging demands for religious privilege under the guise of religious freedom, as Christian nationalist extremists seek to impose laws on abortion, public school curricula, and other issues to force the conformity with their religio-political worldview. Wow. Well, now you see that this fight against Christian nationalism is really a battle against conservative religious views on abortion, gender, parents pushing back against public schools who want to indoctrinate their children to secular views on what it means to be human. And a lot of the pushback is coming from Christians on the left, like vote common good. Um, I asked a conservative Christian um, his definition of Christian nationalism, and he said, well, those who want to deconstruct the country for political leverage have a favorite epithet to hurl at those of us, the majority, who love God and country. Uh, Christian nationalists, that's the term they're using. Along with this are other favorite definitions designed to get Christian citizens instantly canceled. Um, they call them racist, isolationist, deplorable. In other words, labeling someone Christian nationalist gets them instantly canceled. Well, to to weigh in on this rising religious and political world game-word gamemanship um, is author and radio talk show host Kevin McCullough, who always has his mind on the pulse of what's happening and has the answer. Welcome, (laughs) Kevin.
0: No pressure there, Lauren.
1: Thanks. (laughs) Well, this is great because, you know, you just understand what's going on. I mean, you talk about all these things a lot. But, but what's your initial take on the sort of Christian nationalist moniker that's been being bantied around?
0: Well, I think that when we're talking about the current culture, there's obviously a need for the left. And by the left, I mean the cultural left, the 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 forces within the culture that want to, let, let me let me define it this way, the, mm-hmm. the forces within the culture that want to pull us away from tradition Religion um, To some degree the constitution um, from some degree uh, Just moral values and, and worldview the, and and I would say that there's a There's a there's a definitive undercurrent to the far-left political arena that um, Even some democrats and centrists would, would you know not go along with that has by necessity for for their extreme views Felt the need to label those who simply disagree with him as this type of person. And this rhetoric has come down from on high. Everybody remembers uh, Joe Biden's Mussolini's uh, Seven Realms of Hell speech he gave on Independence Hall's front steps with the fiery red walls behind him. Wow. But he referred to Christian nationalism and MAGA extremists. And using these words as pejoratives and as punchlines instead of recognizing that people simply disagreed with them so the idea that there would be a rhetorical device that they would want to rally around to unite uh, their side and to try to say that everyone who disagrees with them is wrong is understandable that's how that's how arguments you generally proceed but in this case i think that they have way overstepped their boundaries and it's it, it, it if they I think the people that that would draw the biggest issue with this would be shocked Mm -hmm. at the mere numbers of people that they are actually trying to describe by using such a term.
1: Well, I mean, this is almost like they're trying to create a boogeyman, you know, um, sort of Christian nationalist. And it's not – when I saw this as part of the Vote Common Good, this whole of march on Christian nationalism, and I'm thinking, well, if you really cared about Christianity, why wouldn't you be promoting the gospel because your, you know this whole you know forum of march on Christian nationalism is basically creating a negative view on Christianity in itself that like people can't separate Christianity from Christian nationalism right
0: um I would agree and I, I don't think it's a term that that people of God need to embrace, and so I see it primarily as a term that the other side is using to leverage um, animosity against people like me Mm -hmm. and people that believe like me. I would not describe myself as a Christian nationalist ever.
1: Who Um, who came up with this, and, and where does it come from? I mean, as far as I can understand, a Christian nationalist is actually a term that's been defined by the left, not anybody on the right.
0: That's that's my understanding as well. And when you when you have groups that have dedicated, I think Family Research Council dedicated an entire Wednesday last October to, you know, defining and deconstructing this argument about Christian nationalism. Um, So it's obviously something that the right has recognized the left is using and on some level is responding to it. But I think that there's I think there's even a more sinister element to this, Lauren. And Mm -hmm. I think that when you invoke the term nationalism, um, there's already a very eager desire by the far left to say that people that are center right are like Nazis and to invoke the nationalist uh, language kind of just brings that idea a little bit closer to home if you're a supporter of president trump it brings it a little bit you know they think that they can just edge these things closer and closer together until there's no distinction in in what they hope will be the public's mind as to what separates uh people of good conscience and these like cartoon figures that they're making with these rhetorical devices.
1: Yeah, I would, you know, in the Christianity Today article, it talked about, you know, Christian nationalism says, I'm quoting, the idea that being Christian is core to the American identity. Now, it, that sounds a li- little bit innocuous when you have it in the lead line. But when you get down into the story, it's pretty obvious that it's really against conservative, you know, religious people who believe yes. in this, you know, certain like the sanctity of life and, and all of these things, It's it, all of these labels that keep coming into their discussion about, you know, conservatives, um, religious conservatives who believe certain things about the Bible. Um, how did we get here? I mean, it's, it's, it's like it's, it's a way to discredit Christians who are conservative. There's no discussion. It's just your Christian nationalism and and they hope that will end the discussion.
0: Right, it's supposed to be uh, an exclamation point, and nothing's supposed to come after it. This takes me back to kind of the foundation of my first book that I wrote, where in the opening chapter I made the argument that the, at that time, emerging difference between the left and right, and this was back in the George uh, forty, uh, George W. Bush forty-two era, I guess mm-hmm. it is, um, that the, the the left and right weren't really separated nearly as much by economic philosophy or even uh, sh- socio-political issues as much as they were in their internal personal worldview of mm-hmm. how they saw the world around them. And I, I define that by saying that people that are centrist and to the right see and understand God and, and comprehend him in a different way than people that are on the left. And right. to illustrate it, I said this includes evangelicals, it includes Catholics, it includes uh, Jews, it includes uh, people of um, a, a swath of faiths. But these people in the group that I'm talking about see God as a, a couple of different things. They see him as objective, so he's he's someone who's not a part of them but outside of them. They see him as someone who's authoritative, so he's someone who's over them. And he's someone who um, his laws and... Commands and instructions and revelation and all all the rest makes some difference to them. So they so they they read his texts, they pray to him. There's a, a willingness to kind of submit their life and say, "I'm going to be obedient to him, and he's the highest authority," et cetera, et cetera. Mm-hmm. On the theological left, there was an increasing move at the time, and it's just gone into hyperdrive since that said that God didn't need to be viewed that way. That God, if he even existed, was somebody that. Could be controlled if right. he was interested in us. It, it wasn't a it wasn't a, a game changer. It was just something. It was just an option. Or that maybe God doesn't even exist, and this is just all our own. So what does that do? It leaves it leaves the human beings in charge of their own worldview, and we get basically a moral relativism that kind of washes over everything. And you know, if, if I don't hurt you, you won't hurt me. Right. And it's kind of right. kind of that. Well, th- the problem with that worldview is that it does not take into consideration one of the core beliefs that most of the world's great faiths hold to, and that is the depravity and sinfulness of man. Right. If, if, if mankind is all good, then it's fine to have kind of a handshake agreement and say, I'll be good to you, you be good to me. Because if, if mankind is essentially good, then you can work things out like that. Yeah. But the understanding that that <laughs> mankind is is got a little bit, and anybody that has had kids can oh. absolutely vouch for the depravity of man. Right,
1: terrible twos meltdown in you, aisle eight.
0: You see, <laughs> you see it from the beginning of their life, and I've got three that are living proof. But there is a sin <laughs> nature, and it it exhibits itself, and it has to be, and it's not something that I'm able to control on my own. I have to submit my. My will and my actions and my behavior and my attitudes to a higher authority and say what's best for me doesn't come from me, it comes from outside of me. And this is kind of the foundation a few years ago where we've gotten to is the out outliving of those two worldviews to the degree that the people that are being labeled Christian nationalists by the left now are those who still primarily practice their faith. They believe in God. They believe in a God who's outside of them, above them, more authoritative than them, someone that they have to submit to. The left says, this is foolishness. It's idiocy. We are all on our own. Uh, We just need to be uh, nice to each other and we'll all get along. The problem is... Uh, we're not nice to each other and we don't have right. a, a real good explanation for how to deal with the times when we aren't.
1: I mean, the same people, the same people who will actually promote the golden rule, which is want, you know, to treat others as you would want to be treated, cannot be serious when it's actually applied in their lives. Because what I see from the left is that it's not just about we agree to disagree. They don't want you to think like this. I mean, just case right. in point, Jack Phillips the Colorado cake baker, it's not enough for him to say, I don't do this for same-sex weddings. It's not in my religious beliefs. And the left is simply going after him with a full-court press, full-court legal press, about his beliefs. And he's just the poster child right now. There are many other people that are being attacked in this way. You don't have a right to think this way. And that's Correct. why they're talking about that this is becoming some kind of Orwellian kind of pushback. This is not, you know, you know. I don't agree with that. No, you can't agree with that. Now, we've got another case. There's a Christian substitute teacher um, who was uh, ousted from her job for opposing a same-sex themed book. Now, she's been reinstated and awarded $180,000 in damages and attorney's fees, but she's one of the lucky ones. You know, she's one of the lucky ones who actually had a, a lawsuit. You know what I mean?
0: Well, and it's and it's not just individual people in their vocation. Uh, this is starting to invade our schools, and it's starting to uh, touch on areas of life that it had not done previously. And particularly since this administration has been in power, um, you have seen, for instance, the uh, insistence by the administration pushing down to the school districts saying you want your funding for early morning breakfast for poor kids, then you have to adopt our view towards uh, sex transition for the kids in your school. And you say, well, what is what, what do those include? Mm-hmm. Well, in some places, like in Washington State now, uh, it includes uh, not only – grooming and bringing the kids through a transitionary process, whether it starts with pronouns and then goes to using uh, different names or even giving the child information or even providing, uh, you know, uh, private uh, one-on-ones with uh, consults with doctors and stuff that will help them. Uh, It also includes direct instruction not to tell the parents in the process.
1: Yeah. See, this is... is... this is the problem when I when you read this article in Christianity today, where they're actually pushing back because they're they're calling the bad guy the parents who actually want to have something to some exactly. say in their public school, in their children's public school um, um, uh, curriculum.
0: Well, that Washington state law actually says that the, the there's no requirement for the teacher or for the school district to tell anyone outside of the student, uh, that does not have a need to know. And they specifically say in in the language following that statement that that doesn't that that includes parents whose primary objection to such, be it religious or otherwise, would not fall under a primary uh, need to know the information. And so the,
1: the fact that the fact that they you're getting this affirmation of this law from the highest seat in American government from the White yeah, House.
0: Yeah. He's That's the scary part. The school districts. It is, and so, at some point, Lauren, people have to say, "Well, wait a minute. I I didn't. I'm not. I'm not going to my kid's school district and preaching on the street corner, or passing out tracts, or giving Bibles to kids, or anything like that. Uh, I, I just want to have the right to raise my child according to the beliefs and tenets of the faith that my generation and my family, and maybe for a few generations, we believed and practiced. Why should I?" Not have the expectation that I'm going to be able to do that without interference from their teacher or from the school district on something as deeply personal and moral as the definition of sex, their identity that's tied up into this. See, this is not just an attack on behavior uh, that that people want to engage in, but but it's really an attack on the imago dei. Yeah, I mean the the, the way the pr- human being has been created in many of these situations, and I would refer your listeners to the Independent Women's Forum. Uh, on the homepage, I think there's a link to the uh, series called Identity Crisis. It's a nine or ten part series now that Kelsey Bowler has uh, produced. and They're all stories of kids who went through transition and now uh, most of them are trying to detransition, but they're finding the difficulty in doing that. Long story short, this is a This this is an attack against the person that was created in the image of God, and it's being done by the people that are, quote-unquote, smarter than us, and we're being told we have to listen to them because the kids don't really belong to us. They belong to the school or they belong to the state. That's very Marxian in its belief, and it's very anti-biblical. So just the fact that I say, well, wait a minute. God says that we're created in his image, and he created two binary sexes, and it's not a spectrum. It's an XX or an XY, and – and even in our DNA, if I'm hit by a bus and mangled beyond recognition and they they scrape some of my you know leftovers off the street and they go look at it under a microscope when I die, it's going to say I was a guy for, for the rest of right. my life, for right. all eternity. That's what it's going to say.
1: Um, we're going to let's take a break right now on Lighthouse Faith sure. Podcast. Kevin. We're going to talk about because I want to talk about this some more. We'll be right back um, on Lighthouse Faith Podcast.
2: Hey, folks, it's your man, Keyshawn Johnson, here to talk about Angie, formerly known as Angie's List, your go to home services.
1: And we're back on Lighthouse Faith podcast with Kevin McCullough, radio host and uh, author. And hey, uh, Kevin, where can people hear your radio program?
0: All right, so I got a few things. Uh, Salem M- Media is the primary place where I hang out. And uh, if you if you just want the podcast, if you're listening, if you like to listen on demand, just look for the Kevin McCullough radio section of podcasts in any aggregator anywhere. Uh, I do a daily Monday through Friday. Uh, there's a weekend. Uh, television, radio, combo, promo, streaming, podcast, live show that's all kind of wrapped <laughs> up into one. It's called That Kevin Show. It's 14 weeks in, and we're, we're having a lot of fun with that. Cool. Um, But, yeah, just anywhere that Kevin McCullough Radio is found, you can you can find us.
1: Um, We're talking about sort of the transgender movement, and it's become really very hard to express yourself in this environment without being called transphobic. And um, I'll give you a little uh, illustration here. A friend of mine who is a a licensed tour guide for New York City, the Big Apple. She takes a lot of different groups on tours. She has Bible Mm -hmm. groups. She has public school groups. She has fashion institute groups. She has a lot of different groups that she um, takes on tour of New York. And she has different kinds of tours. You can do the 9-11 tour. You can do the Central Park tour. You can do the Fashion District. You can do a lot of different tours. And she was complaining to me the other day that she was just dumbfounded because some kids – berated her for uh, for making the trans kids feel bad because she kept saying, you guys. You know how you say, y'all, you guys? That, right,
0: right, I'm from the South. I'm familiar right. with the concept. So yes. she
1: was like, what? Because I'm saying, hey, you guys. And it was just this it was this offensive thing for the kids because you're making me the trans kids feel bad. And I thought, oh, my goodness. She goes, well, I had to kind of keep saying, okay, y'all, y'all. <laughs> Thing. You kiddos! You kiddos! It was just one of those things. You little chicklets and chickpeas. This hypersensitivity thing, and this is what um, it's about language. This is always about language. And there is a there's a there's a Boston radio talk show host who said this, and I'm just going to quote this. He said, "We call it gender affirming." Um, which is what the the left is called gender affirming, which is the person decides what gender they want to be, and he basically said this is not gender affirming, but biology denying medical malpractice. Yep. Yep. And the idea is that you know maybe the only gender affirming we should be doing is to affirm. Their biological sex, um, and, and you know, I've had psychologists saying, you know, this is really more mental illness, and we should be dealing with that first rather than mutilating perfectly healthy bodies. Um, I don't. Well, let me jump in on. Yeah, that go, right ahead, there, go ahead. Go ahead, please.
0: In the in the series I referenced earlier, and Kelsey has done remarkable work at Independent Women's Forum, but the idea that. We would do permanent types of surgeries and changes to people's uh, biological development before they have fully developed, before they even have the mental capacity to fully understand emotionally what they're choosing and so forth. Is I th- I think it's abusive. I think it's lacking in compassion. I think it's the opposite yeah. of what they are saying that we are we are caring about. But I care about. I I've sat and I've interviewed the ten girls that uh, they've interviewed in that series. And I've talked to a bunch of others in addition to that. And so I know personal firsthand stories of how in each of their cases, there were, there was massive emotional mental anguish regarding Mm -hmm. other aspects of their life, abuse, sadness, trauma, loss of a parent, all kinds of things that these kids had gone through. And instead of helping them deal with that primary issue and work on it and come to a place where you've been able to deal with it and now you can move forward in life etc the the idea was put into them um maybe you should transition maybe this is the mm-hmm. reason you're unhappy with your life it had nothing to do with the fact that your father you know was murdered or right, that right. your mom was abusive or anything else it was it was obviously this other thing and when when they have begun their their transition journey they were all love bombed by everybody in the LGBTQ plus 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 community, and they were given free puberty blockers and extra hormones and all kinds of things. They didn't have to pay for a thing. Uh, if they started down the surgical uh, path, there was always people ready to help and and do whatever. they Yeah, they, they needed get all this
1: positive feedback.
0: The minute they decided, well, in, in several of their cases, they they got they sought counseling alongside of doing the transition, and they came to a point in the counseling where they realized. My, my issue is I don't I'm not a girl that wants to be a boy. I, I'm a I'm a girl that went through some very painful things and I need to deal with those. And when she started to deal with them, all of a sudden, all of that other nonsense just left. It was like, that's not that's not the solution for anything. But when she by that point in time, this particular girl had already lost her vocal cord. She'd been a fabulous singer mm. and wanted to to be a, a singer for the rest of her life. The 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 puberty blockers and the in the hormones. So you know just messed up her vocal cords she's not going to be able to pursue that as a vocation now and there is no relief for that there's no judge you can go to and say hey i i need damages for this that doesn't that doesn't exist at the present time and let me just bring up this point Mark. sure sure what we're talking about here is commonly referred to as a dysphoria
1: yeah yeah
0: in nearly every other instance of dysphoria we never affirm that the dysphoria is the health, right? Right. So let me let me get real personal here. I knew several girls when I was in high school and college that struggled with bulimia and anorexia.
1: Right, hmm
0: Which is a dysphoria. You yes. look in the mirror and you see something different than what reality is. And so they take drastic measures to try to change what they think they're seeing. But what they're seeing is not really what is real and eventually they have to treat the dysphoria to understand that reality is that they're actually okay like people love them and they don't have to be this you know image that they have in their head about who they are
1: you know the what, same yeah, exact
0: application should be applied here this is not they don't need judgment they need help in dealing with why do why do i sense that i am something other than what i have been created to be and if we can help them find that the dysphoria isn't the healthy option, that it is a distortion of the, of health, and we need to get them back to health, then you would see that a lot of these kids that have pursued this would have no interest in it at all.
1: Yeah. You know, one of the things that's very, very telling um, when you hear the stories of, of young women, particularly young women who want to transition, is when their body starts changing – um, there's a book that was down, you know, I don't know, 40 years ago. There's
0: so many girls on planet Earth that went through puberty with absolutely zero body questions. But
1: it was, <laughs> it was just the idea that it's, it, you know, your it's body a is a terrible time of life. It's a period. Exactly. I mean, there's a book called Raising Ophelia, I think, that was came out maybe 30, 40 years ago and talked about how girls in this sort of. Um, this during puberty have a very, very hard time because their body changes probably more drastically than a male body. You've got breasts. Yes, you've got breasts. Your hips start to expand. And then there's all this pressure. Oh, and then, of course, you know, the menstruation. That becomes the most... You know, all
0: boys have to do is shave and put deodorant. <laughs> and sometimes
1: they Girls don't do that. Girls have so
0: much more on their plate. <laughs> they and it's, really and it's do. Awful. I had two sisters that went through it and I felt bad for them when they were going through it. Like I, I felt genuine compassion for them because I'm like, this is terrible that they have to go. So it's easy to see how a girl at that age would go, I don't know if I like this so much.
1: Not only that, there's all this pressure from social media and from the fashion industry and from... Television entertainment to be this Instagram. ultra yes to be this ultra beautiful kind of kind of you know female. I mean, I said you know God said. Male and female. He did not say supermodels and ultra machismo marble men No, right? They didn't. Not I mean, exactly. It is society that's put this pressure on what is it means to be male and female, and I think that's a great deal part of it. If you if you're a young woman who now doesn't meet the expectations of beauty that you see on magazines or in ads, or that's a big pressure, and it, I think it's a cause of a lot of depression. I mean, you know, I don't I mean, I think
0: that go ahead. I don't think there's any question about that. And I also think that this is where Christians in particular have some hope that the rest of society needs. One of the things that uh, biblical Christianity points people to is the nuclear family and really the importance of a father in the home. Yeah. But if you go back to a lot of teenage angst and struggle that takes place in these hearts and minds. Oftentimes, you will find uh, fathers that are disconnected, unconnected, abandoned, advocating. Yeah. I mean, look at Hunter Biden right now, not to make it completely political, but he's got he's got a daughter that the court made him take a DNA test and said, "You, by force of law, you have to admit that this is your offspring.
1: And what's, what's that going to happen to that he daughter as she grows? He won't give her, her his last
0: name. He won't ever spend time. He doesn't spend time with her. He won't give her his last name. There's going to be such rejection that that girl is going to feel in layers at different periods in her life down the road
1: all the statistics point to it
0: and and the good that could be done from a father that's in a girl's life saying you know what sweetheart you don't have to look like you know kendall jenner you you're beautiful because god made you beautiful and i'm proud of you for all the things that you do to have that affirmation in your life from the time you're born until the time you leave the house is a different level of playing field for the child that gets it compared to the child that doesn't. Oh my And goodness. Go, yeah. you go back to the social studies uh, that Daniel point, uh, Patrick Moynihan and others that have commissioned in the past that point to the the sociological difference, not economic, the sociological difference between kids having two parents in the home and the kids that don't. And you begin to see that God's plan of a mother and a father You know, supporting the children that they raise and being there for them in a loving relationship is the single biggest advantage that any of the children have. And it's not the secular universities that are coming up with this uh, theory. Christians have known this. Biblical Christians, biblical Jews, uh, other faiths that embrace this idea have known this for a long time. And it's not to say that, that those of us that practice these faiths are perfect. We're not but the idea that we we know that this is what works because again god is more knowledgeable than he is and he's outside of us he's objective and he's more authoritative and i listen to what he has to say therefore if he says to to do this in my family's life it must be for the good yeah. it must be for the flourishing of the people that are in it not for the diminishment of it and everything that the left is is putting at us right now the reason that they that they must come up with labels like christian nationalist is because they cannot Accept the fact that a God who is outside of them might know more about what their needs are than they do, yeah. and at the end of the day, they don't want to submit to what He has to say.
1: That's powerful. That's absolutely powerful, and you're absolutely right. I mean, the, uh, the whole idea of divorce. You've, they've got an article, in a Breakpoint talking about the the horrid effects of divorce on children. The children are not okay, and yeah. the 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 element of you know this devastation. Uh, a father not being in the household it has incredible, incredible negative impacts on children. All the statistics point to the you know, increased rates of, of well, depression. What that's done to and, black men
0: specifically yeah. in terms of how it's destroyed the idea of fatherhood for our nation's inner cities. It's just – you couldn't pick a better way to completely debilitate um, certain uh, neighborhoods across yeah. the country.
1: And then the problem is if you bring it up, then you're – the bad person you're the phobic person you are not supporting fa- you know you're you're just you're a racist you are um yeah i mean just you just you're deplorable you know that's basically I, it. Too.
0: i care about the kids and i care about their outcome i'm sorry that makes me a racist.
1: <laughs> well i'm fascinated with um and you talked about kelsey's um A website. Uh, Name that again because I think that's a really good point about people who want to check it out. I mean because a lot of the people on the left they say the people who are transitioning back, detransitioners, are a very small percentage of the transgender
0: movement. Well up till now the people transitioning were a very small percentage. We're only seeing this you know explosion because of this kind of top-level mandate down through the schools and mark my words the number of detransitioners coming back are going to grow just as quickly because they're discovering it doesn't it doesn't solve the problem. And in fact, there are reputable studies, and I, I can't think of the one off the top of my head right now, but I was just speaking with someone yesterday about this, uh, that have uh, put out even more recent results than ones I had seen about a year ago, that show that kids that, that go all the way through to the transition of the other side, uh, we think that they're suicidal prior to transitioning. Yes. You should see the numbers on kids after they've transitioned, because it's not just think about this, Lauren, for a second. Um, you you you've competed in beauty contests, and you're very talented. And you know y- you 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 are the full, exquisite essence of what a beautiful, <laughs> dignified woman is like. You're so kind. I hope I can still say that in today's culture.
1: <laughs> imagine well,
0: it's true. this. Imagine this 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 creation that God put together by His infinite design called yeah. called woman, and then you take the hormone that he put into the man and you ram it through her through her cells and dna and bloodstream and everything at massive amounts that it was never designed to take on yeah and tell me that you think that there's going to be something good that comes from force feeding um this this unnatural non-existent to that level of degree uh in in her body naturally something that 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 man's just doing because they think this is the way it's, it should be done. And do the adverse. Take, take estrogen and, and shove it through a man's system and see in massive doses what happens. We, we are treating people as though they are just funnels or tools. They are just some sort of pragmatic uh, you know, means to an end. And we're not. We, we are creations of God. We are the Imago Dei. We're made in his image. There is, there is dignity placed upon us. And when we lose the mystery of the fact that God did that, we tend to be very harsh with each other. And in this way, it's very sinister because they're saying in order for you to ultimately be compassionate, you have to do something hurtful to a fellow human being. And I just think that's a bad place in history for us to be at.
1: Well, Kevin McCullough, thank you so much for being on Lighthouse Faith Podcast. We're kind of out of time, but uh, again, where can people see your your radio or hear your radio program and see what you're doing?
0: Follow me at That Kevin Show on every social media possible. Just find That Kevin
1: Show. Okay, great. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. Amazon Prime members can listen ad-free on the Amazon Music app, or just hit the follow button on your favorite podcast player. Thank you so much for being on Lighthouse Faith Podcast.
0: Lauren, it's been a pleasure. Let's do it again.
1: Okay, absolutely. And thank you so much for listening to Lighthouse Faith. I'm Lauren Green. Have a blessed day.
0: Jason in the House, the Jason Chaffetz Podcast. Dive deeper than the headlines and the party lines as I take on American life, politics, and entertainment. Subscribe now on foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you download podcasts.